Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I started a new series in uh, talking about three things that those who are indwelt by the Spirit should be mindful of. And we introduced it by emphasizing the fact that in the Bible there are two uh, fundamental works of the Spirit in a believer's life. There is the work of the Spirit within. Remember Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit, He dwells with you, but He will be in you. And then we know that that took place when Jesus was raised from the dead. People were born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside the believer. This is every Christian, every born again Christian has the Holy Spirit in him. Paul, you remember, said in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit whom we have from God who is in us. We have him from God. So the Holy Spirit abides in the life of the believer. And uh, we also know that there's another dimension or another work uh, or ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, in the life of the believer. And that's as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So you have the work of the Spirit within, you have the work of the Spirit upon. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 8 says, You shall receive power, not when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit coming upon Christians in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an anointing upon the believer for service. Primarily for witnessing, but for demonstrating the Christ-like life or the Christ-life to those around us, that we might be his ambassadors, that we might be able to do the works that he did. So there's the Holy Spirit within, there's the Holy Spirit upon. A Christian is not well balanced unless he has both the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. Too many Christians go through life and they're satisfied. Many indeed think that when they were saved and the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of them, that they had the Spirit, therefore that's all of the Spirit there is. And they miss out on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so they, they live a lopsided life. It's possible, and this is what I was emphasizing, and this is the the point and the direction we're going in this series. It's quite possible for those who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, because, uh, because so many people in the body of Christ don't recognize the baptism of the Holy Spirit or they say that it's something that it's not. It's given to churches uh, that, that have this experience and have and understand the theology behind it, it's our responsibility to be a witness of these truths. So therefore we do talk about it and, uh, and emphasize it because that's been given to us. But it's possible in doing that, that that spirit-filled believers put all of their attention on the power of the Holy Spirit upon them in signs and wonders and miracles or just gifts of the Spirit, demonstrations of the Spirit. In other words, the effect of the anointing upon them and pay not, do not pay enough attention to the work of the Holy Spirit within. Amen. And we have, as a result of that, there are often Christians... Uh, in, in the camp of those who don't 
believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking with other tongues, one of their uh, points of contention is sometimes they say, well, I know so-and-so or I know this person or that person or people who claim to be filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they speak with other tongues. They talk about all these miraculous things, you know, that, that happen, you know, in their lives. And yet they don't seem to have the fruit of the Spirit. They don't seem to live like they should. Well, you know, there's some validity to that. But on the other side, if that same person would put the spotlight upon themselves, they'd realize that they don't always live the life they're supposed to either. Because no Christian is fully mature in, in his walk with God. And so, you know, it, often it's a, it's a point of contention and it's used sort of a, 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 as a, a cudgel, you know, to... to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, dismiss the claims of the spirit filled but there is some validity in the fact that you can be so conscious of the power of God that you do not develop in the fruit of the spirit remember there are two works of the spirit the spirit within the spirit upon well in connection with each one of those works of the spirit there's a list of nine manifestations one, it's in the, because of the life of Christ within, because of the Spirit of God that lives within us, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. That's not nine fruit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's nine fruit that results from the indwelling Spirit. Love, joy, peace, all of those. Uh, well, there's that, that, the, the, the Spirit within, the experience of the spirit within has been given to us to develop character so that we might have the character of Christ. And those things have to be developed, even if you are filled with the spirit. Now, in connection with the spirit upon being filled with the spirit, there's also a list of nine. And those are the nine gifts of the spirit. The fruit are for character. The, the gifts of the spirit are for service, for, for witness, for power. Well, a, a Christian can have power and not have very many fruit. Actually, the truth is the fruit's there. They're just not developed. In other words, a person can be very, very powerful but not, but not uh, have the character that he ought to have demonstrated in his life. On the other hand, a Christian can have all of the godly character and, and humility and love and joy and just exude fruit but have no power in their life. They, never, they know nothing about laying hands on the sick. They know nothing about ministering in the power of God. They, they live a very good life. Well, the, God wants us to have both. He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. He wants us to benefit from the Spirit within as well as the Spirit upon. And so we've been talking about uh, because very often in Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, charismatic circles, Word of Faith circles, uh, however you want to, to uh, label it, because there, there can be a tendency to put all of the emphasis on the power of God and, and less on the character of God, I want to talk about, and started two weeks ago, talking about three things that every spirit-indwelt believer should be aware of and should have functioning in their lives. There, I'm sure there's a larger list I could make, but I, uh, I, I'm going to talk about these three. And these are things that, that every believer should have functioning in their life as a result of being born again, whether you speak in tongues or you don't speak in tongues. And if you do speak in tongues, you still need these things. Amen. And so the first one we talked about, we'll recap real quick in case you weren't here. The first one is that we should know that constant renewals of the Spirit are necessary in our lives. We, we read from uh, 2 Corinthians 
Go with me there real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time in, in these. We're just going to mention them as, as quickly as we can. 2 Corinthians, and let's look at chapter 4, verse number 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. How many of you are glad that you don't have to lose heart? Amen. We do not give up. We're not, uh, we're not saddened. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man, everybody say inward man. I don't usually have you repeat words just, you know, to fill up time because we're going to turn, we're going to find this uh, two words a little later. That's why I want you to notice it. The inward man is renewed. <clears throat> well, if the, if the inward man is renewed, there must be a need for it. If the inward man needs to be renewed, then that means something is lacking if it's not renewed. See, when we were born again, we read this a couple of weeks ago. We were, the Bible says in Titus that God saved us not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his own grace and mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, that what does regeneration mean? It means to recreate. When something is generated, it's created. Well, <coughs> the washing of regeneration is the new birth when we became a new Christian. The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, you were regenerated, but you were at the same time were made new. You were renewed. And we walk in the glow of that. Christians will walk in the glow of that for a while. And then they, their, their spiritual life begins to, to taper off or, or, or cool down, some people say. It ought not. What the problem is, is they're not being renewed day by day. Now, this verse would look like this is automatic. Though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And I suppose there is a degree to which this is automatic, that it happens. But it's not all automatic. And we looked at this scripture over in, sec, in, uh, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 3. Turn over there real quick. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory... To be strengthened according to the riches of his glory. My goodness, you could stop right there. But I'd get off track if I did that. The riches of his glory. I think the Amplified Bible says out of the rich treasury of his glory. That's where this comes from. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Notice that those words, the inner man. We see these words again. Strengthened with might through his spirit or by his spirit in the inward man. That's that's part of that renewing of the inward man. We have to be renewed every day. And it's not just automatic because Paul prayed that God would grant this to the church at Ephesus. To the Christians, to the believers, he prayed that God would grant you. One of the things he prayed was was that you would be strengthened with might. Through your spirit, he's writing to the church, through your spirit, in the in, through the Holy Spirit in your inward man. Well, if you, if, if it's, if Paul wouldn't have prayed it if it was automatic. If they could, if they walked in it without uh, having to do anything, he wouldn't have to pray that God would grant it. Isn't that right? So this is something that we need every day. We need to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inward man. Now go over real quick to Colossians and look at the... First chapter of Colossians, verse 11, strengthened with all might, very similar wording, 
according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering. Now notice this with joy. Being strengthened in your inward man by the power of the Holy Spirit is connected with joy. It's connected with rejoicing. And we'll, you could read First Peter 2nd chapter where we rejoice, we rejoice uh, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rejoicing and joy are important components to our strength. We know that uh, Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have to cooperate with the Lord. The joy of the Lord is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And again, the fruit of the Spirit grows. Fruit doesn't, if you have a fruit tree, you don't get up one morning and uh, there's no fruit. And the next day you get up and the tree's full of fruit. That's just not the way it happened. Fruit appears in a small form and it begins to grow. It begins to ripen, begins to, begins to come into its full potential. Well, these fruit of the Spirit come into full potential over time, but we have something to say about it. We have something to do uh, in cooperating. We must cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the renewing of our joy, in the renewing of our inward man, renewing of our strength. Jesus prayed that our joy would be full. Go over with me to Acts chapter 20. I, I didn't get around to this. So I'm going to cover this. In other words, this verse. And, and uh, I think it's important. So we, it's okay if, if, if we recap and cover some things I didn't say before. Isn't that right? Paul was talking here at, in, uh, in the 20th chapter of Ephesus to the elders, the pastors, uh, that he had assembled from, uh, from Ephesus. He was in the, uh, in the town of Miletus and he called for them to come to him from Ephesus and he was talking. Uh, he said uh, in verse 22, See, now I go bound in the, in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Woo, what a wonderful leading of the spirit. Wouldn't you just have to love to have that witness of the Spirit? Wouldn't you just love to, hold, love to have the Holy Spirit just testify to you how great you are and how much blessing you have and what belongs to you? Paul said the, the Spirit testified to him, witnessed him in every city that chains and, 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 and uh, so forth uh, 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 awaited him, chains and tribulations. But none of these things move me, Paul said. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, well, I don't have, I, I'm not in the ministry. That doesn't apply to me. Oh, yes, it applies to you. You might not be in full-time ministry, but you have a race. You have a race to run. God wants us to run our race with joy. He doesn't want us to run our race, you know, just sad and grumbling and complaining all the time. Run your race with joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Even in tests and trials. James said when tests and trials come, count it all joy. Didn't say it was joy. He said count it all joy. Amen. See, in the midst of tests and trials, you, you determine whether or not you have joy. We're not supposed to let the circumstances dictate our joy. 
We're supposed to let the word of God, the promises of God, what we know to be true to dictate our joy. We're, we are, and when you know the promise of God, when you know what God has promised you, you can count the test and trial joyful. Because it's just another opportunity to see God work. I've been conscious of that so many times in my life where I was in the midst of a, of, a, of a difficult time, a test and a trial, and I would turn over to James chapter 1, I'd read that verse, and I'd say, Devil, I want you to know I'm counting this test and this trial you've brought into my life, I'm counting it all joy. I'm going to sing. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be full of joy. You're not going to make me discouraged. You're not, I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to get, I'm going to rejoice. Oh, I thank you father for the opportunity, for the opportunity to let me see your word work again, proven right in my life. Amen. The Bible says, if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee. Now he talks as he flees. (laughs) He, he gives some he gives some some parting remarks as he's fleeing and the and the the believer who doesn't really know the bible he'll say well i resisted him and i thought he flee I, I thought he was going to flee but he didn't flee no you're just listening to his parting comments james said resist the devil and he will flee I remember the story that, that Brother Hagen told. He, he had so many good examples, you know. And he, he talked about the fact that when he was, when Jesus, Jesus first appeared to him uh, in his first vision and talked to him about the healing ministry, gave him a healing ministry, he said, you know, I've put my, my power and put his finger in the palm of each one of his hands. Brother Hagen said that his hands began to, to burn like a, like a hot coal was, was in his hands. And at that time, Jesus said, when you minister to people, he said, you put your hand on one, you put one hand on one side of their body and you put your other hand on the other side of their body. He said, if fire jumps from hand to hand, then their affliction is caused by a demon spirit. If the fire doesn't jump from hand to hand, you just minister healing to them. But if fire jumps between your hands from one side of the body to the other, then that means that that physical oppression or, 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 or problem is actually being caused by a demon. He said, you call that demon out and command it to leave, and it'll leave. Now, later, uh, the Lord spoke to him, and, and Brother Hagin never said this, but, but I, uh, it was, it's my impression that the Lord had him do that to test his obedience. Because later on, the Lord told him to stop ministering that way and, he, and he, would, he would discern the presence of an evil spirit through the word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. And so that fire didn't jump from hand to hand. But in those, that first few months in particularly, uh, that's what would happen. Well, he went from there to the next meeting and uh, this man came up and he laid hands on him. Uh, I think the man was, was, uh, couldn't bend over. He was, something was wrong with him and he, and he couldn't bend over. And when Brother Hagin put his hand on his, on his chest and his back, he said, fire shot from his hands. So he, he said, now, in the name of Jesus, I command your, your, this demon spirit, you leave him. Then he said, now, brother, re- see, see if you can reach over and touch your toes. And he couldn't do it. So Brother Hagin ministered to him again. Fire shot from one hand to another. And, uh, and he rebuked that demon spirit, cast it out. And he said, now, my brother, he said, Bend over and see if you can touch your toes. And the man tried and he couldn't. So Brother Hagin did it the third time. 
People sitting in the auditorium, you know, did it the third time, and the man still couldn't touch his toes. So Brother Hagen just gave up and said, well, you know, go ahead and sit down. And there were other people in the ministry line. He went ahead and ministered to the others, or he was going to. He started to minister to the others, and he said he was, he was standing over to the right of the platform, if I remember, and people were coming by. And he said he looked over, and when he looked, he said Jesus was standing right next to the pulpit. He said he saw him as clearly as I could, I could see Steve Morgan. He said, I thought everybody saw him. It didn't look like a vision. It didn't look like a ghost. It looked like, a, a, it looked like Jesus physically standing there. He said, I thought the whole church saw him. Nobody saw him but, but Brother Hagen. He said, and Brother Hagen said, I said the demon will leave. And Jesus said, I, I mean, Brother, Brother Hagen said, I know you said that. It's only been a month ago. That you that you've you know appeared to me and and I did it and he didn't leave and Jesus said but I said he would leave Brother Hagen said and the congregation heard this com you know this the congregation heard what Brother Hagen was saying to this person you know that they couldn't see Brother Hagen said Lord I I know you said that it's only been a month ago and I did that and the demon didn't leave Brother Hagen said that. It looked like fire shot out of Jesus' eyes. And he said, but I said he would leave. And then he disappeared. And Brother Hagin said, oh, I see what I did. I told the man to see if you could bend over and touch your toes. So he called the man. And the man hadn't even made it to a seat yet. He was standing in the back of the auditorium. So he said, brother, come back up here. So he came back over, up to him. He laid his hands on him, and he, and he told that spirit to leave. He said, now, brother, bend over and touch your toes. He said, the man bent over and could touch his toes. So he, he leaned back and almost touched the, the ground in the back. He was moving all around. I said that to say this. Sometimes we just say things, but you have to believe it. Resist the devil, James said, and he will leave. Well, it didn't look like he leave. Well, he left. I said, if you resisted him, he left. But he'll still talk as he's leaving. <laughs> and you have to stand your ground. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Renewals of the Holy Spirit come by waiting on the Lord. The renewing of the Holy Spirit the renewing of our strength comes by waiting on the Lord. Does anybody know what, what passage we're going to turn to? Nobody. Isaiah 40. I know you do. You just couldn't think of the chapter. Isaiah 40. And let's look at... Let's start in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Have you ever been weak? Have you ever felt like you didn't have any strength? Well, there's an answer right here. He said, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall, shall utterly fall. So you know, it's not a natural thing. It doesn't mean how young you are or how old you are. It doesn't make any difference. 
This is talking about spiritual strength primarily, but it, it can apply to the natural as well. It said, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The renewing of our strength doesn't come just because we speak the word. Now listen, before you throw anything, listen to me. Remember the scripture, I think it was last Sunday night, I talked about the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And we see that sometimes in people who have their little, they have their little biblical rabbit trails they like to run down. Well, you know, you, you're all wrong because you're doing this or that and the other. And, they, and, and see, they've got a verse of scripture, a passage, but there's no, they're not, they're not uh, interpreting it in light of the rest of the Bible. And the reason they're not doing that is they're not letting the Spirit illuminate them. The letter of the, of, the, of the Word of God alone kills, but the Spirit gives life. And uh, in the Word of Faith movement, there was all of this emphasis, and rightly so, it was good, on the confession of faith. And I think I told you maybe last week about, uh, to tell you about the couple that we knew at Ramah, uh, that... They, they, this family that lived two doors down from us, uh, they came to uh, Tulsa with us, uh, you know, moved at the same time we did. We didn't know them before we left Jacksonville. We met them about oh, two weeks before we left Jacksonville. And so they, they came and they, they were in the apartment down for us, down two doors from us. And they had two children. And this husband and wife would get up every morning and they had this long list, I mean, several pages of confessions that they would have their children recite every morning. They would recite them and their children would recite them. And this, you know, uh, confessions about who they were in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And, 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 and just a long, lengthy list of these vocal confessions. But I watched them and, and there, it, there didn't seem to be life in what they were doing. It seemed to be a religious uh, reciting of Scripture. And I've seen that many times over the years. And, and we were taught, you know, to confess the word because it's, it's the confession of faith brings possession of the thing you're confessing. But you can't put all of your emphasis on the word and no emphasis in prayer. See, waiting on the Lord is waiting on the Lord in prayer. Amen. We, I, I think I mentioned this to you last Sunday night that the word uh, uh, to wait means to, to the Hebrew means to be bound to or entwined together with. To be bound to or to be entwined together with. To expect or to look patiently for him. Now, there's, there's a sense that we used to have in, when you go to a restaurant, we used to, we used to call the people that would, that would take our order and bring us our food, we would call them waiters. Well, that went out of fashion. So then they were called servers. And then nobody likes to serve anymore. So, so now, oh, I'm, I'm, my name is, is Joyce. I'll be taking care of you today. Nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to serve. They want, so now they're caretakers, I guess. I'll take care of you today. But that idea of waiting on somebody means that you're, you're there listening to their desire, 
finding out what it is they want and what you can do for that person. That's what it means to wait on someone. Well, here it means to wait on the Lord, to be bound to him, to be entwined together with him, to expect and to look patiently for him. It means seeking God, not from the standpoint that you don't have him and that you don't know him, but seeking more of his life, more of his purpose, more of his plan for your life. That's waiting on the Lord. It's waiting on the Lord in prayer and and in the word. And I told you this, whenever I read the Bible in the morning, when I, I, have, I have a list of scriptures that, that are important to me. And I go over them in the morning time, but I don't just read them as a list of confessions. I, I read them and I meditate upon them and I pray while I'm doing it. I talk to the Lord about those verses and in doing that, I am also making confessions that they're mine. Amen. And see, if, if we don't spend time waiting on the Lord in prayer and in the word, we won't have strength. Your strength, you will, you will be like this verse talks about. Have no, uh, are weak, have no strength, Faint and fall. If you are easily overcome when trouble comes, when test and trial comes, when oppression from the enemy comes, if you easily fall for those things and fall under those things, it's because you haven't waited on the Lord. You're you're weak because you haven't waited on the Lord. It's the truth. And there aren't any shortcuts. Wish there were, but there aren't. I wish you could just shortcut to the answer. And not waste a lot of time and have to do a lot, but just go from here to there, I got it back. But it just doesn't work that way. Waiting on the Lord takes some some, uh, intention. It takes a certain, not a prescribed amount of time, but it takes uh, a certain uh, period of time to get in God's presence and let his word become alive. And that's what I do when I meditate in my scriptures in the morning. I read those verses and I, and I talk to the Lord about them. And I talk to the Lord about myself in, in light of those scriptures. And I, and I let the Holy Spirit illuminate the word to me. Amen. You know, the old timers in, uh, in, the, in, in days gone by, they would actually have tarrying meetings where the church would come together and tarry and wait on God. They didn't come for preaching. They didn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't just a prayer service like we have on Monday night per se. The, the purpose was to wait on the Lord. And so we need to wait on the Lord in our private individual lives. But there's also something powerful about waiting on the Lord together. Those of you who come to, to prayer on Monday night, you realize that, there, that there's, there's a certain degree of anointing in prayer that happens when we are praying united prayer than when we're praying by ourselves. Amen. In, in, Acts, chapter, in Acts chapter 4, you know, there was an attack against the church. Peter and John, you remember, they had been... Uh, 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 you know, arrested and released and told, you know, to not preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says they went to their own companions 
and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said. And it says, when they heard that, they lifted their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, you are God who created the heavens and, and so forth. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but go over and look at this. This is in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Verse 23, being let go, they went to their own companions, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said. Now, I want you to notice how this does not read. Now, pay real close attention to what I'm about to say. Notice how this does not read. This does not, and it could have read this way and, and been a true record if, if, if the Spirit was saying something else. Notice what it didn't say. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said that the Lord is God, that he made the heavens and the earth and the sea and, that all, and all that is in them, and that uh, it was by the mouth of his servant that David said, so forth. That's not the way that reads. This is a direct quote of what they said. In other words... The writer didn't say they lifted their voice and said this about God. They said these words. Lord, quote, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your holy servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For, a true, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatsoever your hand and your purpose to, to determine before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They all said those words. Otherwise, it would have said that they lifted their voice and said that the Lord was God. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't written as a summary of what they said. It's a direct quote of what they said. Now, how in the world... Could this group of people, we don't know how many, but there was a company of people there. How could all of those people be saying the same thing? How could they all in one accord, every, it said they lifted their voice and they said, quote, and end quote. That had to be done by the Holy Ghost. That had to have been done in other tongues. There's no way in this one. If, if, if everybody had just been praying the way they would normally pray in, in, in their natural English, the, verse would, the story would have said that they said that the Lord was God. It would be a summary of what they said. Instead, it's a direct quote. That had to be in other tongues. Now, we know that in other tongues, remember on the day of Pentecost? They were speaking in tongues and the people came and said, we've heard you proclaiming the, 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 the works, the mighty works of God. Well, here they were in one accord, probably different languages in other tongues. 
this one speaking this dialect, another one speaking another dialect, and this one speaking another language, another speaking another language, and they were all saying the same thing. There is power in united prayer. There's power in personal prayer. There's also power in united prayer. We need them both. There's power in waiting on that. So I've said that to say this. There's power in waiting on the Lord in prayer in your own personal life. And there's power in waiting on the Lord as a group. And those old timers, they would have services that they called tarrying services. What they meant by that, it would have been better if they'd have said waiting services. But they said they called them tearing services, and they were tearing in God's presence, waiting in God's presence. Now, that got watered down. And it eventually, uh, they applied tearing to, to receiving the Holy Spirit. And so when someone would come, you know, forward and come to the altar and, and there was given an invitation for people to come and be filled with the Spirit, they were told to tarry. And so they would pray and pray and pray and tarry and tarry and go away, come back. And, and it was almost like a, a, a badge of honor of how long it took you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And people would, I, I remember this as a, growing up in a Pentecostal church when the old timers sometimes would testify of how they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh yes, I tarried, you know, for three months. And then, and woo, look at me, you know, I was so faithful to tarry. And another one, you know, uh, I could tarry, you know, I tarried longer than that. Brother Hagin said he heard one man say, I tarried for the, you know, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for 30 years. Brother Egan said, you weren't doing any such thing. You were just hanging around the altar for 30 years. You weren't, you weren't waiting on God because the things that belong to us, we don't have to tarry. We have to tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But after you get filled, that's when you should begin tarrying. That's when you should begin to really begin waiting on the Lord. Just seeking God in his presence, just waiting before him. I'm telling you, church, it renews your strength. That's how I start the day. I want, my, I want my strength for the day to be renewed. And so I tarry in his presence. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to take a long time every day, but occasionally it's good to spend a little bit longer. Occasionally it's good just to set aside an evening where you turn everything off and you go into your prayer room or wherever you have and you get alone with the Lord and you say, you know, I'm going to carve out some time that I'm just going to be entwined together with you. I'm just going to seek you, Father. I just want, I don't want, I don't want a healing necessarily. I don't want this. I don't want that. I just want you. I want your, I just want your, your heart to flow into me a little bit more. I want your purpose, your will to be more clear to me. I want to, I just want to experience your presence. Amen. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now that spiritual strength, first and foremost, but it also includes the strengthening of our minds. Remember uh, Romans 12? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, the renewing of your mind doesn't, doesn't actually uh, take place as it should without the illumination of the Spirit. You can feed and feed and feed on the Word, but if you don't, if you don't tarry in God's presence, that Word won't have its full impact on you. It's when the Holy Spirit takes that word and, and illuminates it and, and 
opens the meaning to you and how to apply it in your life and, 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 and how it impacts you and affects you and, and, and what you can do with The Holy Spirit will just get involved with that word and he'll make it real to you. You haven't really renewed your mind until you've done it with the Holy Ghost. I talked a few months ago about the importance of the renewing of the mind. And I hope I said back then, I don't really remember if I did, but I hope back then I said you need the Holy Spirit involved. Because just the renewing of your mind as a mental thing will not get the job done. Hallelujah. It'll renew your strength. It'll renew the strength of your mind and in your body. Amen. The Holy Spirit quickens our mortal body. Daily uh, renewals of the quickening power of God in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It imparts life. I said it imparts life. Waiting before the Lord imparts life. Tearing before the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting in His presence imparts, in presence, his presence imparts life to your body. I remember this, you heard Brother Hagen, and if you've read his material, you heard him talk about the man who uh, uh, read about the eagles. You know, he read this verse that, that they'll, uh, we didn't read it all, but they'll mount up with, with wings like eagles. And how he went and he studied and found out that when an eagle uh, grows old or gets older, his beak will wear down. And he can't catch prey and, and kill and, and so forth like he needs to. And eagles live a long time. But in the process of that, of that time, their, their beak will wear down, and so they're not effective in, in, as a predator. So they'll find a big rock or a stone somewhere, and they'll just hammer that beak, just hammer that beak on that stone and crack it, and it'll eventually break off. And the eagle then grows another beak. And he said, and when Brother Hagin told that story, and I'd kind of forgotten how, how he got there, he said that he knew of a man who didn't start in the ministry till he was almost 60 years old. He said, he said, now, a lot of people think, you know, when they turn 50 that, you know, they're, they're over. He said he knew of ministers, you know, when they, were looking, when they were 50 years old, they acted like they were old men and, and talked about retiring and wanting to, you know, to, to retire and give up, you know, and go away somewhere and just, you know, not do anything anymore. And he said he remembered this man. This man didn't start his ministry till he was almost 60. And at 75 years old, he became the, he was the number one evangelist, number one in terms of requests. He, he had more requests for him to hold meetings in this particular denomination. He was the number one evangelist in the denomination at 75 years of age. He didn't even start till he was almost 60. And what happened to him, he said that he felt the call of God earlier in his life. And he wanted to go in the ministry. He knew he was called to the ministry, but his wife wouldn't go along with it. She just wasn't willing to make the sacrifice that was necessary to, you know, to go into the ministry. And so they settled on the farm, you know, and, and he went along with her, you know. They uh, had a farm. They raised their children. But when their children were grown and then on their own, finally one day he came to his wife. He said, I can't get away from the call of God. He said, I've got to obey God. Now, if, if you want to go with me out on the road, wonderful. If you don't, you can stay on the farm. I'll take care of you. You know, I'll provide for you. But I've got to obey God. So he was, he was almost 60. And so uh, he went out, you know, and, and he, uh, you know, started his ministry. Well, immediately the devil told him, well, you're too old. 
look at you, you're almost 60 years old. You're going to start a ministry at almost 60 years old. You, you know, you're washed up. You know, your life is over. And he started reading this passage of Scripture and got a hold of it. And so he believed God to renew him in body. And, and at 75 years of age, he was the number one evangelist. And at 82, he, he ministered until he was 85. And at 82, he was still one of the most outstanding evangelists in terms of the number of people calling on him. At 82 years old, he's just still getting calls from everywhere for him to come minister. Because he found out that waiting in the presence of the Lord would renew his strength. Glory to God. Are you old folks out there? I don't know who you are, but those of you guys, <laughs> don't give up. Amen. Your days are not over. If you'll wait in the presence of God and, and just spend time waiting before the Lord in prayer, in the Word, take your Bible, your Scripture sheets, and, and just let the Lord illuminate this Word to you, it'll renew your strength every single day. And again, if you're, if you're the kind of person that every time trouble comes, it knocks you off, you know, just knocks you off your feet and you're just, just you know, blown over with everything. You're, you're, I can tell you right now, without, without going home to, with you, I can tell you, you're not spending time in the presence of the Lord. You're not renewing your strength as you should. Now, opposition comes to all of us. There have been times when I felt like I've been knocked off my feet. There have been times when I felt like I was overwhelmed. But my, but my answer was getting back into the Word and letting the Spirit of God restu- restore my health, restore my mind, restore my strength. Amen? Oh, glory to God. It's important. God doesn't want us growing weak as we get older. He wants us growing stronger as we get older. Amen. There's no reason... I know a lot of people believe, well, you know, you certain age, you start declining. Listen, a certain age, you ought to be getting stronger in God. Yes, the body is perishing. We admit that. All you have to do is look in the mirror, and you can see that. But though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day, and it'll affect your body. It'll affect your mind. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Glory to God. You know, there was a, there was a two women, sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus would come and, and stay, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And Jesus would come and stay with them. He was very close to this, to this family. And uh, so that Jesus came to their house and that Mary got upset or Martha got upset with Mary because Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Martha, was she was busy. The Bible says in the New King James says she was distracted with much serving. And finally, finally she got annoyed and aggravated and she went to Jesus and said, don't you even care that, that I'm doing all the work and you're letting Mary sit here at your feet and she's not doing anything? And Jesus said, little clue here, if he has to call your name twice, he said, Martha, Martha, 
He said, you are distracted with many things, with much service. Said she was distracted with much serving. He said, you are, he said, you are worried about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen this good part. See, you can get, you can become distracted in serving God. You can get distracted in doing good things, things that you ought to be doing. And it, and it comes as a result of not taking Mary's place often enough. If you're not, yes, they're, they're, it was good for, for Martha to be serving Jesus. That was one of the basic hospitalities of, of, of the Eastern culture was someone come in, comes into your house. You take care of them. You serve them. You, you wash their feet and you, and you provide for them and you, and you honor them. That's a good thing. But none of that takes the place of spending time with the Lord. Serving in the church doesn't take place, doesn't take the place of spending time with the Lord in prayer, waiting on Him. And if you do it long enough, you'll, you'll be a Martha. And you'll be worried and distracted over all kinds of things. Paul said, I'm going to finish my race with joy. There's only one way to do that is to be renewed in spirit. Glory to God. Waiting in God's presence. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Engo si geste e dojem baha jelika jandehe yesunga ka yete sungusta baha deeti nengrevasho mandi la brasa kinere kita. You came into this life lacking nothing, but as the days prolonged and the time moved forward, needs came, problems arose, death and destruction entered into your life. But you called upon my name, says the Lord. You called upon me in a time of need. And your need was met. Your spiritual life was restored. You were made a member of the family from which you had been cast out. And all that is in the family, all that belongs to the family, All that is of me, says the Lord, became yours. And you rose up and you walked in that. Don't lose sight of that that has taken place. Don't lose sight of what has transpired in your own life. For the days are long. And times are troubled. The enemy would try to distract you. Take your mind off of what belongs to you. And what has been given to you. But I say unto you, there is no struggle. There is no difficulty. It's not far away or hard to lay hold of. The blessing of the Lord and the hand of the Lord is yours. So rise up in the simple faith that you rose up with in the beginning. In simple trust. And say, Lord, you are Lord. You are my provider. You are my source of strength. You are my all in all. And all that I've ever needed, you've supplied. And all I need now, you will surely supply. And all that I will ever hope to have, 
I have in faith right now. The future hasn't come, but the reality of it in faith is mine now. And I know I'll prosper. I know I'll be blessed. I know I'll arise and meet every challenge in life because you're my all in all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord 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 Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Deshte Brahma Hazika Selebete Mendela Banda Kinanka Derista Zikiza Bazandoku Don Shenedi La Kahayete Don Shekezipa Kezi La Brasa Kedere Ifeta Kinja Sakere. For new things are on the horizon. And the same faith that you use to enter in is the same faith that you'll use to take hold of the things that are to come. So look not with doubt and look not with unbelief, but look with the eye of faith and say, that is mine in the name of Jesus. For all that he has secured for me is mine and I will rise up and I will take the land that he has shown me because it belongs to me. Yeah. And I'll not grow weary and I'll not no. grow grow weak, but I'll rise up in the faith of the name of Jesus and I'll take that which is mine. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.